0: .NET Rocks episode 924, with guest Steve Smith, recorded live Friday, November 1st, 2013. This episode is brought to you by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. Online at T E L E R I K dot com. And by Franklins.net, makers of Gesture Pack, a powerful gesture recording and recognition system for Microsoft Connect for Windows developers. Details at GesturePak.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard.
1: Don't cut it want create? Thank you very much, and welcome back to .NET Rocks. It's Carl and Richard, and uh, we're just in the studio for a couple of days. Yeah, yeah, it's fun to be home. I uh, had a good time at Dev Intersection, did you? Oh, my God, and a 1,000 people were there. Yeah. So, in just three shows. Did you get down to the lunch uh, hall? Why, yes, I did. That's
2: a lot. It's, you know, you have this, I had this rush when I was down at the lunch hall. Just so many people,
1: so many conversations going on at once. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, one one thing that was really cool this year is we encouraged the speakers to tweet where they were hanging out after, Mm -hmm. you know, after dinner and with the hashtags so that the attendees could come and, you know, stalk, (laughs) um, meet up with them. And and it was great. So, we all got to meet uh, some of our fans that, you know, otherwise would have been too shy to approach us. So... Yeah, we ended up with some big groups at some of the bars, and it always ends up being a bar, doesn't it? Yeah, should I tell the story? Well, okay. All right, so what happened um, was I did, Shirley, uh, who runs the conference, one of the people that runs the conference, really wanted me to do a guitar jam, and uh it's kind of hard to do a jam session when you don't know how many people are going to show up, and instruments and all that stuff so I said you know I would bring my guitar and and I would just play somewhere well in Vegas in a casino area it's kind of hard to find a quiet place where you can just go play right so um, I had a nice suite and I decided to tweet I'm in my suite here's the number come on up and hang out and bring some bourbon right right so you know some people come and we're having a good time and we're just hanging out mostly I'm really not doing a whole lot lot of playing we're just talking and a couple of working girls show up at the door really <laughs> who apparently got the message now the first thing I thought was damn Miguel Castro because <laughs> he's the only one I know who would actually do that yep and and he said no I didn't but not that I wouldn't you know so uh but no apparently uh, we don't know for sure but we think they were trawling the tweets and saw, saw a party Las Vegas, MGM Grand Room, yada, 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 and just showed up. And then we found out they were being talked to by security later. So There you go. Yeah. Never, never a dull moment. So apparently what happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas if you mess with .NET Rocks. <laughs> 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 yep. Crazy, crazy story. Crazy story. All right. Better know framework. Hit me. <laughs> What do you got, buddy? Uh, So I wanted to be able to read and write, write mostly, but of course read, metadata into JPEG files. You've heard this stuff, right? The JPEG uh, picture file format has these fields where you can write keywords and comments and a rating and a subject and a title just some string data right and you sometimes use this for geographical location data you know Mm -hmm. which is great you can put that you know the the position where the and the date where the picture was taken and all that and some comments and it's great especially if you're going to do a sort of a slideshow or kind of just you know make sense of your photos uh in a more meaningful way so uh, I went trawling for something that would help me do that and a lot of very frustrated people out there in, in the .NET world. And then I stumbled across this blog post from 2008 where this guy at blog.shynet.nl um, basically created a some co- code to do this and gave it away. So if you go to uh, tinyurl.com slash jpgdata, You'll go to this blog post, and he's got C-sharp code and VB code. Pick your language. It's a very simple class. He shows how to use it. You just create a new JPEG metadata class, and you pass in the file name. And then you have a title, uh, a subject, a rating, keywords, and comments. Those are all properties, and you have a save method. And that's it. Wow. That's it. Awesome. So cool. And it works. It works great. And if you want to tinker with it, the source is there. Go nuts. Yeah, exactly. He just gives away. Beautiful. You love it when that happens. Yeah, I like it because it's not a library. You know, he just decided to share the code. Here's the code. Just as how you do it. Thanks for playing. Very, very cool. So there it is. Know it, learn it, love it. Richard, who's talking to us? So I grabbed a
2: comment off of show 838, and that is the one we did at Codemash this year, 2013. Then we titled the session, Is Agile Dead? Because, you know, we're not controversial or troublemaking <laughs> or anything like that. Yeah, And you remember this, We it was a panel discussion, some really wicked smart people uh, on the panel, John Stahl, Matt, Matt Barcom, and so forth. This year, it's going to be called The Death of Agile. Was it premature? <laughs> For 2014? You want to do that? <laughs> yeah, why not? We haven't caused enough trouble yet. Yeah. So this is a comment from John. It's all the only name attached to it. And hopefully, John will get in touch with us to get his mug. Because I don't have any more info on him that. But he says, I need to hear a show on code generation in regards to agile development. Ooh. I believe it was Matt Barcombe at about the 1750 mark who said, the whole co-generation thing needs to have a big revival. Mm. I was excited to hear someone state co-generation in the same regards as agile. I've written many co-generators in the past with usually poor reception. Even though I could write a generator that produces thousands of lines of code for various layers, like data access and business logic and UI, with unit tests that also follow patterns of organization, I would still get looked down upon as if I cheated. Nowadays, it is rare that I share using a code generator because I have been better off having the client assume I coded everything manually. I wish that were not the case. Mm Mm-hmm. I understand that an organization may frown upon having to maintain their own code generators. Whether they are purchased or homegrown, I believe that maintaining and updating code generators that follow a development team's structure and workflow should be as important as maintaining unit tests for a project. You've had some great guests in the past on this topic, such as Kathleen Dollard and Peter Vogel, which they've both written some excellent books on the technical aspects of the subject. Also, Paul Sheriff has a product called Haystack, Mm. which would be interesting to hear about how he's able to bring a code generator to market. Yeah, we did a DNR
1: TV with him on that.
2: Really? Yep. He's been a listener since show number one. So clearly somebody who needs a mug. Absolutely. So first and foremost, John, thank you so much for your comment. Uh, A .NET Rocks mug is clearly overdue for you, so Mm. it'll be on its way. Just get a hold of us and we'll send it out to you. Yeah. Without a doubt, we got to do a show on Code Generation. I just think it's a huge topic all by itself. You know, we've been there a few times.
1: You know, I've been talking to Kathleen Dollard. Uh, who has been thinking about this a lot, and she has some new things to say. So I think we're go- are we going to talk to her on the road trip? Uh, I was going to book her, but uh, I haven't yet. So All you right. know, that's definitely a possibility. So I'm, I'm sure she's got some new things to to talk about. So yeah, absolutely. She's been thinking the same thing. We 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 need to bring it back. It's time to revisit that subject. Yep, absolutely.
2: Thanks again, John. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, just write a comment on the website at .NET or on any of our mobile apps. We've got them for iOS, for Android, for Windows Phone 7 and 8, and for Windows 8. And those fine apps were built by Diatom Enterprises. If you'd like to make you an app, just go to
1: DiatomEnterprises.com. And this is a good time to talk about NDC London. Of course, the Norwegian Developers Conference in Oslo, Norway, we've been doing every year. Now they're coming to London.
2: Yeah, I love the idea of Norwegian Developers Conference in London. That's pretty funny. But NDC Oslo is normally in June. This is
1: December 2nd to 6th. However, the Guthrie is going to be there. Of course. And that's going to be epic. We're going to be there. And yeah. all of your favorite speakers from North America and Europe are going to be there. The Skeet, the Connery, all of
2: these great folks. The Troublemakers. <laughs> we're, and we're going to have our usual recording booth. We're going to be recording a ton of shows. The main thing I think a lot of folks know about NBC is they throw the most amazing attendee party. So it's December 2nd
1: to 6th. And go to... ndc-london.com We'll see you there. And with that, it's our extreme pleasure to bring back to the show Steve Smith. He is Executive Vice President of Services for Telerik. Telerik Services provides consulting, training, and other services to Telerik's enterprise clients and partners. Steve is also a Microsoft Regional Director and MVP, as well as a frequent speaker at software development conferences and events around the world. Aside from starting and selling several successful companies, Steve has written or contributed to a number of books, most recently, 97 Things Every Programmer Should Know. Welcome back, Steve.
0: Hey, guys. Glad to be back.
1: And uh, you you always bring uh, a calendar of anti-patterns.
0: Are we going to be talking about that today? Yes. For the last few years, we've been doing these software craftsmanship calendars, and we've got a new one literally just arrived at our office yesterday from the printer.
1: Now this goes beyond. This was before Telerik You started this.
0: Yeah, our, our previous consulting company, Nimble Pros, um, started it. We got the idea from uh, Derek Bailey, who, uh, oddly enough, now works for Telerik with me, um, <laughs> and and I just met him for the first time a few weeks ago. But wow. he made a he made a blog post with these motivational poster style things for uh, some solid principles. Right. And and I I love that idea. So we we came up with making it into a an actual product as a, a wall calendar of of best practices, some years and other years anti-patterns that we thought programmers should, you know, have more visibility on and and add some humor as well. Yeah,
1: and the anti-patterns are funnier than the patterns, right? I mean, you know, to show what not to do is much funnier visually.
0: Certainly. Even for the best practices, we always show something, you know, obviously wrong in the picture.
2: Yeah, great I stuff. I also think they're more powerful too. When you've got a point of here boss that comes at you with an anti-pattern request. The fact that you could point to a
0: calendar and say, "You mean like this?" <laughs> yes. Like for instance, this uh, healthcare.gov debacle yeah. is got me totally thinking all the time of the uh uh asking users to walk through a minefield <laughs> anti-pattern that's actually in this calendar. <laughs> uh, <that's-> <laughs> <laughs> You'll, you'll see it when we get to August, if we get that far on this show.
2: <laughs> oh, my goodness. We got an hour to do this thing, and we got 12 good pages
1: to look at. I guess we better roll. So, you start with the Manifesto for Software Craftsmanship, which people should know, and it's just Googleable. Uh and manifesto.softwarecraftsmanship.org, right?
0: Yeah, we throw that in every calendar. I, I don't expect too many people to leave that up for very long. Yeah. Um, you know, the nice thing about these is you can actually take them apart and frame them. So we've, we've used a lot of these images and, and you can do the same thing with these manifesto pages uh, to to decorate your team room or your conference room or your office.
1: All right. So I guess we should start with shiny toy.
0: That sounds great.
1: All right. The first one, January, shiny toy. Uh, much better than last week's model. So what if it doesn't work with anything else? And the picture is a guy holding a box that says, the new e-universe 6S Stardust Nebula 500 t Fablet. Now equipped with long-range teleportation capabilities, asterisk, asterisk. And that goes to a disclaimer that, uh, oh, that says, this device has not been tested on humans. <laughs> Possible side effects of use include, but are not limited to, lightheadedness, nausea, indigestion, short-term memory loss, singed facial hair, numbness of limbs, missing limbs, missing internal organs, including kidneys, and death. Do not use if you have a history of sneezing or are pregnant, nursing, diabetic, allergic to oxygen, or are human.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And there's a pile of phones underneath. And I have that other than the e-universe box. Everything else on that table, I think, is sitting over on a table near me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and this one is is a little bit hard to visualize. Well, a lot of these are very hard to visualize. So, the, the phone idea took us some time to come up with. But from a software perspective, this is talking about, you know, we all have that person on our team that... Uh, every week, he's got a new JavaScript library or a new open source project or a new component that he wants to try on the project, mm. and, and it's you know it's in beta or it's in pre-release and it's never been used before, and uh, you know it's got all these great benefits, but you have no idea if it's going to be a good long-term fit for the project. Sure, and, and that's why it, it gets its place in the anti-patterns uh, listing.
2: Just because it's new doesn't mean it's good.
0: Yeah, exactly. All right,
2: let's jump to February. Mushroom management. Keep him in the dark. You know the plan. <laughs> and somehow, I think you've composed this picture. It looks like a prison cell with six coders in it, uh, sitting shoulder to shoulder. In the dark. In the dark. Just the
1: screens lighting the room. Yeah. And and the boss looking in the little square window from the back, <laughs> menacing.
0: <laughs> I think I know that guy. Doesn't he work with you, Steve? These are all Telleric Services uh, employees as the models here. <laughs> oh, okay.
1: Great. And on the wall, the concrete wall in the back, you have the uh, the tick marks. You know where you have four ticks and then crossed out, and there's a whole lot of them there. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Yeah, you guys have heard mushroom management. Uh, keep them in the dark and keep feeding them BS. Yep. <laughs> so, so we didn't we didn't want to uh, exactly use that in the uh, tagline to keep it suitable for work, but. Uh, but that's that's the anti-pattern is, you know, right. don't tell your developers what they're actually building. Don't let them actually talk to users or customers. Just, you know, tell them as little as possible so they can maybe do their job and hope that the end result is, is something good. Right. Uh, and it, it, that usually doesn't work well as a management strategy.
2: Well, and there's two pieces of this. Not only they don't necessarily have the information they need, but what level of engagement are you going to get? How do these people care about what they're doing? Hmm. Indeed. A lot of the conversations I've been having these days is about fighting this attitude that that you you can be a cog, right? You're just a cog
1: in the machine, right? You, you know, it's it's silly. And, you know, here's the thing. You know, at once you're telling people, you know, don't be, you know, be aware of shiny objects, but you know, be be proactive, go out and try to find answers to things. But at the same time, you know, don't be fooled by by stuff like for example march is found on the internet the internet can cure all of your problems well you know what there's a lot of answers on the internet to specific problems that you can find but but obviously that's not going to replace your brain
0: certainly yeah and and that's that's the the idea behind the found on internet anti-pattern is that you don't think about it you just google grab the first result you know, maybe it's the number one thing on Stack Overflow. Maybe mm. it's just somebody's blog that you've never heard of, and you know, paste it in and hope that it works. And right. uh, you know, that's that's not always the best way to go about it. Although, mm. like you said, there's there's doesn't a day go by that programmers these days don't find some helpful bit on the internet. Sure. The, the trick is, you know, test it, make sure right. it really is doing what you think it is.
1: Right. And this picture I found on the internet. There's a, a poor SAP. Uh, hovered over his laptop with an ice pack on his head and a thermometer in his mouth, and he's putting, putting some sort of tonic into a glass, and he's clearly using a MacBook Air. I don't know how you got away with that logo there. And he's uh, got some lozenges and some, you know, stomach, upset stomach medicine, a whole counterful of medicine, it looks like. And, uh, yeah, he's not doing too well.
0: Yeah, he's. I think the idea here is he's following some recipe that's supposed to cure his uh, illness and, okay. and mixing a, a potion of various medicines yeah. uh, based on something he's found on the internet.
1: I see. Should be a big put there just as a dare. What could happen?
0: Right. Yeah. Hopefully he'll survive this.
2: Right. I find myself when folks bring me, you know, Google facts, stuff they just found on the internet, I immediately search for the opposite. Yep. Just, oh, yeah? just so you that's, have both positions. Just to vet
0: it. That, yeah, that's a good idea.
2: Well, that and every time somebody says a statement now, I run it through Snopes. Yep.
0: Right, right.
2: It's like, it, it don't, I don't respond anymore. I just send the link from Snopes. Next.
0: Right. right. Yep. Yeah, that happens frequently on, on these Facebook threads that go out of control. Yeah. And it's like, oh my gosh, you know, you need to worry about this thing that Facebook's doing. And then, you know, and the first or second comment is a Snopes link. It's like, yep, yeah, okay.
1: Nope. <laughs> How many, th- how many things have actually been changed by people liking them on Facebook? Like, you know, how many laws have been passed? How many social movements have been started? I just don't know. All right. Well, anyway. Yeah, it's just viral
2: meme propagation. I agree. Not, not meaningful meme propagation. All right. Let's do a little April. I love this one. The Golden Hammer. Stand back. I have just the tool to solve this. And? And the picture is a guy doing a Thor pose with a giant golden hammer. He's about to whack himself in the head. (laughs) 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 So you tie this to this idea of the one right tool, this will fix everything?
0: Exactly. Yeah, when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Right. We actually used the, the golden hammer principle in uh the calendar two years ago where we showed a a golden hammer just kind of swinging down into a screw uh to as the imagery uh this one's a little bit more vibrant than that one Uh, but it's the same idea that you know make sure you're using the right tool for the job and just because you're comfortable with something don't try and use it for everything
1: so you know i was wrong it looks like he's about to whack himself in the head but he's really raising it over his head he's about to whack the machine with the hammer isn't that right
0: uh, that, yeah, that could be, or I don't know, he's he's yeah. invoking its magic, how about he that? He is
1: invoking its magic, yes. Could be working on him,
0: we don't and, know. And the other developers on the team are all just in awe of him. <laughs> yeah.
1: Is that Allende on the left there? <laughs> Certainly no, looks no. like him.
0: He, yeah, it looks a little like him. is uh, a bigger guy. Than yeah, okay. That's Jeff, Jeff Valori, he's on our team in Hudson.
2: Awesome. Nice. And the problem is that we do get good at a tool... And it does solve certain problems. Yeah. You know, I, just, I wonder about the balance on that.
0: It's hard, right? I mean, if you spend all your time with the new shiny toy trying to learn it to see if it'll fix this new problem you have, even though you had a tool that worked on that problem before, you know, it, it is a balance. And it's, it's a challenge, for, especially for our industry, I think, because things move so quickly. Mm-hmm. And you can't ever possibly know all the different tools or frameworks that are out there that, that might help you do the thing you're doing today. Better.
1: Well, and that's kind of the danger with satire, right? Is that, you know, you shame people into, into, uh, or out of having thoughts, you know what I mean? Where thinking is actually good, you know. And if you, if you can think your way through a problem at the end of the day, that's really what it comes down to. If you come to me and say, I have a solution to this problem, you present a good argument, and, you know, maybe it includes a golden hammer, right? Maybe maybe it includes a tool that you've used before to solve another problem, but if that might actually be the right tool for the job in this case, and if you can make the right case for it, okay.
0: Sure. I mean, and it also depends on the team involved. In many cases, yeah. right? Like maybe there is. Let's let's say you have a team of C sharp developers, and you know there's this problem that you need to solve, and wow, F sharp could totally solve this problem much easier than C sharp, right? Is it worth training them all to know F-sharp right. when they could still solve the problem in C-sharp? You know, the overall time it will take might be less if they use the tool they know. Right. It just depends on the problem and its scope.
1: Right. So in the end, and nothing beats a real analysis. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The, the standard consultant advice of, well, it depends, uh, still applies.
1: Exactly. All right. Let's move on to uh, May. Death by planning, the meetings will continue until morale improves. <laughs> and you got people in a meeting, post-project planning meeting, and the guy is sort of shouting and pointing at the board. And now you have, you know, people shooting each other with stun guns and some people asleep and others on the phone and with a guy underneath the, uh, uh, the table uh, sleeping in a pillow and he's got something to his head. What is that?
0: Uh, it's a Nerf gun.
1: Nerf gun to his head. Okay, so those are Nerf guns. And then the uh, in, on the door, in the foreground, it says, Today's meeting schedule. The meeting time and topics. So we have topics all day like productivity improvement meeting all hands, and then meeting prioritization meeting, and then weekly HR policy update, and then pre-project planning meeting, and then project planning meeting where to go to lunch brainstorming and then cloud and mobile synergy discussion and then post project planning meeting and productivity improvement status update office retrospective office retrospective retrospective and then productivity improvement review meeting and meeting regarding number of meetings. (laughs) Oh, it can certainly feel that way.
0: We actually had this on the door to our conference room when we brought someone in for an interview because uh, we were shooting these images, and we had to explain, like, "It's not. That's not really our meeting schedule."
2: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> That's awesome.
2: On the, you know, it's, what a great uh, um, interview question. Does this board scare you? Yeah. Right. <laughs> How many meetings are the correct number of meetings, Steve? Uh, as few as necessary. Right. Yeah, you, you just a stand up every morning. We had at Strange Loop, we instituted a no meeting day, like Thursdays. There were no meetings at all.
0: We do a a, a project planning meeting at at Telerik Services, uh, and we did it at N- Nimble Pros too. Um, every Monday, just so everybody knows what everybody else is doing and whether or not they have the resources they need, or if they have some slack. And right. then we also do a uh, like an office stand up um, once. Uh, per week where we just talk about, you know, anything that relates to the office or to the company. Um, and it's usually like 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, and so we do those two meetings on a weekly basis and then individual projects do like daily standups and stuff like that. Sure.
2: Uh, we I also, we ended up just the whole Friday afternoons, just admitting that wasn't a good time to write code anyway. So it's when we all got together uh did lots of code reviews and talked about projects and and ate pizza and and
0: it ended up just taking up the whole afternoon it seemed to be the best way to use time yeah for me uh, it seems like mondays tend to get uh filled up with various meetings but we try and limit the number of meetings that most of our staff have to be involved in right so it's it's not too bad
2: i got i got big on writing out the dollar per hour of the meeting based on everybody in the room exactly Right. Like just when you start adding up what the wage per, you know, everybody's wage for this hour combined, it's like, this is a really expensive
0: meeting. Exactly. And it's easy to forget. So, like, just throwing it up on the whiteboard every now and then yeah. so that everybody can see it. It's like, yeah, maybe we should wrap this up. Yeah. yeah.
2: Do we really need to be here? Do we all need to be here? Right. I met Bill Gates once for a lunch. The other time I met him was in a meeting that was like 15 people in the room. That's been like 1998. And I was just a lowly uh, writer, right? A, te- a contract tech writer. And he came screaming into that room, swearing and throwing people out of the room. Like, you don't need to be here and you don't need to be here. and What the hell are you doing here? And I just so he stripped the room down to six people and then walked, stormed back out of the room again. Wow. <laughs> but it's, you know, really, it's like when there's 15 people in a meeting, that's too many people.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. And it used to be in the 90s when I was a consultant, there'd be meetings, like regular weekly meetings or, or more, where there would be food. Like, that's the worst thing ever. You know, right. You'll get more people, and they'll hang out, and they'll be comfortable, and they'll be eating, and, right. you know, that's, like, how yep. to make a meeting more expensive.
1: And not paying attention.
0: Right, right.
1: You want to pay attention, make them hungry.
0: Yeah, and you want to make it
2: short, make them stand up. Yeah. yeah. That, you're right. Then, you know, do you know why you're standing up? hmm I love it. And I mean, that being said, the guy who actually does the planning and executes on the planning is an important guy. It's, it's, but as long as he keeps everyone else out of it so that you don't have to be part of that whole process. I'm really frustrated when we have a, a project lead who insists that everybody's in the room all the time for all of the planning.
0: Right. Well, and we don't want to suggest from this, like, I mean, everything is in moderation, including mm-hmm. moderation. Yeah. We don't want to suggest that planning is bad. Yeah. Right. It's, it's too much planning is bad. And of course, right. too much anything is bad by definition. Mm. Um, but, you know, the, the quotes we came up with for this, you know, the one that we ended up with showing was the everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face by uh, Mike Tyson. <laughs> Mike Tyson, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the,
2: I mean, the counter to this is the mushroom management that if we don't keep people somewhat involved and in knowing what's going on, which invariably does involve a meeting, then you're doing the mushroom management again.
0: Yeah. Right. And and you know the quote that you know planning uh is essential but plans are useless, right? right? Because the plan no plan survives first contact with the enemy, but but having spent the time to do planning is is often invaluable. But you just need to use your time time wisely, right? right? And again, it comes down to who's in the room, do they need to be there? And and make sure that when you have a meeting, you've got an agenda, you've got, you know, some decision that's made and everybody knows when they leave that meeting. What the next steps are? Right. So you actually have a plan.
1: Hey, Richard, you know what time it is? Uh, it must be that happy time again. That's right. It's time to plan a meeting to meet to plan to meet, and then we can plan meetings where we will plan to give away a Telerik DevCraft complete collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. Wow. What do you think? I think you couldn't say that again. I don't think I want to. <laughs> But before I tell you who's the winner, I need to tell you the Telerik Icinium that's I-C-E-N-I-U-M, enables you to develop, test, and publish iOS and Android apps from a single code base using only HTML5 and JavaScript. The new release of Icinium will allow .NET devs to utilize all of this Icinium platform capability from within Visual Studio. Nice. The capabilities include comprehensive backend as a service, integrated support for Kendo UI, as well as jQuery mobile, and integrated testing and deployment capabilities, making Isenium a robust end-to-end mobile app development platform for .NET developers. Telerik Isenium, with its new Visual Studio extension, is available on a subscription basis and is now part of the Telerik DevCraft Ultimate Collection. Start a free 30-day trial of Isenium with support at isenium.com/dnr. And don't forget to thank Telerik for supporting .NET Rocks. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Ben Latimer. Ah, Congratulations, Ben. And Ben wins a Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection. That's just about everything Telerik does in one box. Uh, And uh, it's great stuff. It's a $2,000 value. And every show we give away that, as well as a CD from me, Carl Mm -hmm. Franklin, Ben while which was just reviewed in another magazine here. It's nice. getting, getting good reviews, by the way. Uh, John Schofield, great guitar player, played with Miles Davis. He's on the album as well. You can listen to it and uh, check out all the links to iTunes, Amazon, and Nokia Music at carlfranklin.com. Today's winner is Stefan Hamels. Congratulations, Stephen! And as well, uh, we're going to give away one of these calendars, are we not? For sure. So today's winner for the software craftsmanship anti-pattern calendar, brand new, is Mark Whitelock. Yeah. So Mark, we'll be sending you an email with the code that you can use to uh, to get your copy. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go to .netrocks.com. click on the big get free stuff button, answer a few questions and join the fan club. We have thousands of members. We give away stuff in every show and every December we give away $5,000 worth of gear, technology, toys to one lucky member of the fan club. We like to ask everybody who comes on the show, what would you do with $5,000? Steve, what would you buy? Oh,
0: I've got a few things, actually. (laughs) Let me whip Uh, out my list. (laughs) I I came prepared because I knew you were going to ask this. Awesome. Uh, So so Richard and I were just talking about uh, having a decent headset to use uh, that works with both uh, Skype and your computer as well as your cell phone. And he's uh, led me to this Plantronics Savvy headset that's Bluetooth. Um, I think he said it's about $700. Give me a link. Richard, Richard knows it. I don't. I'll pull but, it up
2: uh, for you. Yeah, the Savvy 700 series, uh, the latest model supports uh, the USB interface to your PC, so it'll uh, allow you to have a headset for Skype. Of course, it plugs into your phone system, but it also has a Bluetooth interface, so it works for your cell phone.
0: So that's just one thing. And like I said, that's uh, Richard's got me thinking I should get one of those.
1: Mm, nice. I've got
0: I've got an iPad that I love, but the uh, the iPad Air is coming out any moment now. Right. Uh, it'll be out by the time the show publishes. So I don't know yet if it's anything I will want, but uh, it, it might be a, a good upgrade from my current device. Mm. And I literally just got an iPhone 5S, and I've really fallen in love with the uh, fingerprint uh, reader instead of having to type in a PIN. Hmm. So if the new iPad has that, uh, that'll be nice, because my iPad has a PIN also, and I find myself always having to key in the PIN.
2: Wow, cool, excellent. And, yeah, they're saying that that 5S uh, fingerprint reader is a heck of a fingerprint reader. Like, it's special.
0: Yeah, it works really well. Have you guys seen the uh, the Wicked Lasers website? Yes. The, the Arctic? So that would definitely be on my list. It's It's got a video of it, like, popping a bunch of balloons and, you know, modifying it to look like a lightsaber. So I think that would be a, a cool gadget to have. It's about $300 yeah, that's website, a two
2: but... watt laser, man. That's serious business. That'll take your eyes out in a second. Wow.
0: Yeah, that's not one you want to necessarily point at your cat.
2: No, unless you don't need your cat to see anymore.
1: So, so is this just a, a just the best laser pointer mul- money can buy, or do you actually use it for anything else? Yeah, N- it, it, the two watt laser
2: version is six hundred bucks, and that's enough power to set, make fires. Like that's, that's well past, uh, I want a laser pointer. So I want to carve holes in the screen.
1: So that'll yeah. make fires. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Two Watts. That's a lot of power. Wow. So that's a weapon. And then I think
0: it, it is a bit of a, it's weapons grade laser there. Yeah. Wow. So there, there's some cool videos of it. Uh, in terms of practical use, I don't know what I would use it for, but mm. uh, I think it would be cool.
2: The fun part when you want to really play with these lasers is get some of the beam expanders and the reflectors and things, and you can, you know, do laser experiments. Like, really have some – but it's – you have to be serious with it. You need to wear goggles. Like, they're not kidding. These things will make you blind. Yeah. Difficult. And then I
0: think uh, if I had 5,000 to spend, like, so far I'm I'm up to maybe 1,000, right? Mm -hmm, Yeah. You get a um, Surface Pro 2. That would be cool, although even that's not that much, right? The
1: 512 gig version's a couple grand.
0: Okay. Now, the thing I think I would want that I'll bet most of your uh, other uh, guests have probably not listed is a uh, set of night vision goggles. Ooh. The no kidding. Uh, PBS 7s that are basically the same thing that uh, we used in the Army. Uh, you can get them for 3500 bucks on Amazon, which is more than I feel like uh, spending out of my own cash right now. But... Uh, yeah, you know, I have a fair bit of land around my house, and sometimes, you know, at night I want to be able to see stuff. I've also got a black dog that sometimes at night doesn't want to come back in. Uh, so, <laughs> hmm. wow, I think I think that would be handy. It's just I haven't uh, figured out a way to justify it being thirty five hundred dollars handy.
2: Well, and the, and the, yeah, you're ex military, so the the the, the Mark three, the Rev three versions that were available because they used to not be available publicly. And they were way better than... Uh, I played with some Gen 1 stuff, and it was just nowhere near uh, as good, apparently, as where things are at now. Hmm.
0: Yeah, no, the, these are nice. I've used them, so they, they'd be handy. They're light. They just run on AA batteries, so you don't have to worry about recharging them or anything. And
1: So, night vision goggles, a weapons-grade laser. Dude, what's the matter, man? Are you planning something? Are <laughs> you feeling okay?
0: I have enough phones and computers. What can I say? Okay. These, are, these are the things... That I, I I haven't bought. You know right?
1: the NSA is listening, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> just think, when the zombie apocalypse comes, you're going to need to be able to take them out. Nice lasers, night vision, just, this is good stuff. Okay. You just need a solar panel and you're good.
2: Just the basics, just the basics. Yeah, here <laughs> at NightVisionPlanet.com for three thousand bucks a PVS fourteen. Wow. That's third Ooh, generation that's- monocle. That's serious. Hmm.
1: Neat. All right, should we get back to the calendar, Richard? I think it's your turn.
2: Oh, right. Okay. I'd rather look at night vision goggles, but this <laughs> is a... Dis- Why did I get this disturbing picture? That's pretty bad. Yeah. Assumption-driven coding. All humans have two hands, two feet, and you can use palm scanners. And so you put a palm scanner
1: up on a door with a guy who doesn't have a right hand. And the sign says, restricted, scan right hand only. Nice. <laughs> Oops. <sighs> yeah.
0: You know, the problem here is when programmers are left to their own devices, maybe with mushroom management, you know, they're going to make assumptions about how the software might be used. And if they're not talking to real users, the their assumptions are going to be wrong a lot of the time.
1: And those things have to be figured out well in advance of code.
0: Definitely. Mm. Yeah, the, uh, the quote for this one is one of my favorites. I, I use it in a lot of my talks, which mm. is that software developers fail in two ways. Either we build the thing wrong or we build the wrong thing. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> and I think we build the wrong thing a lot of the time. The and the evil
2: assumptions are the ones you know are not even assumptions, right? Of course it's true. It's that thing you think is common sense. Right. Yeah. I find it if you know, real brainstorm when you want when a meeting that doesn't suck happens, the real kind of brainstorming meetings, it's going after those really deep assumptions, the ones that nobody even thinks about. Uh, to really figure out. You know where where we're going wrong here. And after saying nice things about that fingerprint reader on the iPhone 5s, uh,
1: all biometrics worry me. Well, they sure. they have a, a false positives, don't they?
0: Well, the problem with biometrics is when you don't have any alternative, right? I can still type in the pin number when I want to,
1: right? Well,
2: yeah, I mean more and more as I'm talking, on, at least on the run-ass side about security, we're talking about things like this progressive security model, you know, using where as long as things are normal, you're doing multi-phase assessment. Is the guy on the normal IP address, is he doing the normal kind of login at the normal time? Then, yeah, the barrier is pretty low to entry. But as soon as anything changes, as soon as you're coming from somewhere else or it's an odd time or it's a funny machine or anything like that, then you sort of up the number of questions asked.
0: Sure. And you start doing things like notifying the user. Hey, someone just logged in from a new device. Was that you?
2: Right. Yeah. Just. And, and, you know, the, we normally think of security constantly as an obstacle. But you know the security I like? I like it when my credit card company calls me to ask me about a charge. Yeah. Because it gives me a sense that they're paying attention. How do we do all security like that and all of these assumptions where it's just like we're just paying attention and wanted to check in
0: with you? Well, imagine if your credit card acted like your IT department does, you know, you just wouldn't be able to use your credit card except at like this one store that was approved that happened to be on the corporate Internet.
2: I've had cards like that where (laughs) I am in a faraway place and it just doesn't work. And if later find out, yeah, we didn't think you were actually in that country, so, yeah, no. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to use somebody else then, because you should ask me. You shouldn't just cut me off.
0: Exactly. All right, we got to keep moving, don't we? We are halfway. But if we don't get to all of them, that's all right. I mean, that's a reason for people to buy the calendar. We will get to all of
1: them here. All right. All right. All right, July. Flags over objects. So easy, you can add another 20 options. (laughs) And the picture is of uh, somebody's lunch here. It's a burger with some toppings and fries, and the bun is off the burger, and there's some ketchup and mayo, but there's flags attached to everything. And in the fries, there's, uh, there's just a bunch of... There's options, right, and check boxes. So for the fries, you've got sweet potato, French fries, which is checked, chips or wedges. And then you've got on the plate, attached to the plate is a flag that says bowl, saucer, dish, plate, and plate is checked. And then uh, you've got, for the in the burger, you've got bison, turkey, beef patty, veggie, and beef patty is checked. And on the bun, you've got bun, bagel, donut, croissant, and bun is checked. Etc. Etc. So everything is an option.
0: Sure. So the the anti pattern that we're trying to represent here is using uh, type codes or enums or other things like that instead of having an actual object to represent some variation uh, in a system. Yeah. And, And so if you've got you know a a person object and then the person has some type code. And it's an enum that says whether or not they're a customer or an employee or a manager, uh, and, and then all through your system, you've got these switch statements or right. if checks that say, "Well, if they're this type, do that; And if they're that type, do this." Yeah, you know that that results in just a mess in your code. It's a serious that, mess. You know, polymorphism and, and proper use of object-oriented design would usually uh, be a much simpler, cleaner solution. Yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely. It, isn't this a? This almost gets back to the mushroom management thing. If you don't know enough about what you're trying to build, you start getting into these habits of just, okay, I'm not going to make any decisions. I'm going to allow everything to be changed at any time. Sure. So you, I think you create environments where this becomes a good answer.
0: Yeah, and and I mean, my beef with this, uh, no pun intended, with the burger uh, metaphor here, is the fact that it causes so much duplication in the system right. because now everywhere in the system you've got to do these checks on the type code of this object to decide what it should do instead of putting that behavior in the object like we're taught to do with object oriented programming.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and just accepting that there was one version and then another version, you're going to make changes. You manifest these changes in revising the object. Yes, all right, let's talk about August, because you warned us about this one, and this one's disturbing. Uh, walking in a minefield. This application's ready for production. You go first. <laughs> it's just a bunch of
1: holes where
2: people yeah, were walking. Clearly, the mines have gone off in the minefield. The, the shoe's a nice touch, yep. Steve.
1: Yeah, our,
0: our, uh, our graphic artist that worked on the calendar, uh, Weston, he had fun with these. He took all these uh, photos and touched them up uh, in Photoshop. So this is actually a, just a field um, here in Ohio that, that he took a picture of and then um, did the rest. So Some
1: smoking craters and shoes. That's nice. it.
0: Yep. But,
1: uh,
2: so this is really, I mean, using your customers as beta testers without telling them, putting yeah, deadlines exactly. on them.
0: Exactly, or just forcing them. Like, okay, you got to start using the new system, even though the old system works. You know, yeah. we need you to start using the new one. Um, we we found a quote uh, anonymous that says, "Software undergoes beta testing shortly before it's released. Beta is Latin for still doesn't work."
1: <laughs> Unless you're Google, and then it's perpetual beta.
0: Right. Right.
2: Uh, yeah, the betas that never end. Uh, it's not that. People don't want to be beta testers if you actually ask them, and and you. But it's you know you you cited it with healthcare.gov. Those guys are actually going there to get healthcare.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, beta testing is fine as long as that's the expectation you're setting. It's when you release to production and it's just not ready. Yeah. That, that that's the the walking in a minefield anti pattern.
2: Now I've worked with customers where. We put out a new version of the app, but we don't take away the old version. And our real measure of success is when people stop using the old version voluntarily. Sure. So, And it's because we've got new features and the stuff they actually want to use or it's more pleasant to use. So it's like you put out a new version and nobody uses it. That's a hint.
0: Right. Yeah, and I'm a big fan of release early, release often. Uh, It's just don't release a really buggy app. Right. If it's if you don't have time to get what you need done in the time frame, reduce the scope and release something that works. Yeah. And then add additional features over time, such that when they're released to users, they actually work.
2: Yeah, and, and if people want to use them that they're actually fun to use. I, I, I just, I'm going for delight these days. I want software you're like, wow, that was awesome.
0: I agree. We need more of that. Yeah. Delight. Delight is good. Delight-driven development. There you go. Absolutely. EDD. I think we we already have a DDD, though, unfortunately.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get to September. The Blob. Doing everything all at once is a best practice. And, of course, you could have gone anywhere with this, but, you know, the the eternal multitasker here. So uh, here's a guy trying to mow his lawn with a contraption that also has a barbecue grill on it. And he's walking his dog at the same time. It looks like he's carrying also what looks like on the back a a vacuum or a floor steamer or something.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure what that is. But, yeah, I think that's what it looks like.
1: Yeah. And he's got a bike helmet on. uh, Just various utensils. I Uh, think I
2: buy into the bike helmet. That whole thing looks rather dangerous.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, he's obviously, it's pulling him along. So... Uh, obviously he's trying to do everything all at once. That's the message that you're trying to
0: get get across. And the blob is sort of a a synonym for the God object, right? So the blob uh, anti-pattern refers to a class in your system that just has way too many responsibilities. It's trying to do everything for the whole system, uh, and it doesn't allow other classes to properly, you know, encapsulate their behavior and data and and have their own responsibilities. Um, But... But, yeah, this is actually the, the photographer. Uh, his wife took this picture of him mm-hmm. with his dog and with all this stuff in his yard. Wow. Uh, so, so, yeah, he had fun with this. And you know, it's, it's, it is very challenging coming up with the ideas for these abstract concepts. Sure. Uh, and you'll see some of the sketches at the end of the calendar that, um, where some of the initial ideas came from. Wow, that's awesome. And I know uh, recently – a few people have, have come to me and said they really hate the term best practice. Uh, right. And so we threw that into the, the description here as well, just sort of as a, you know, an additional thing that, you know, of course, it's a best practice. So, you Booking know, fun at that.
1: So the quote for the blob is, multitasking is the art of distracting yourself from two things you'd rather not be doing by doing them simultaneously. It's <laughs> pretty neat. Yeah.
2: All right, let's move on october franken code it's alive what could go wrong (laughs) it's a great picture too you know it looks like three or four different computers sort of strapped together with screens sticking out a couple extra keyboards i think i own this machine
1: it looks like there's a (laughs) a, an old telephone sitting on top of the monitor somewhere in there yeah Uh, oh
0: and that's an atari joystick that's awesome
1: yeah Yeah. that's right
0: that's a that's an old fax machine stuck on the side of it with the phone.
1: Oh, neat. Nice. I see, yeah,
2: an old fax. So, I mean, we're just throwing libraries together that we don't really understand?
0: Yeah, like con- code that's not consistent at all, it's just bits right. and pieces duct taped together from wherever you found them. Mm. Uh, you know, some of it could be found on internet, some of it could be like your own pet project or you know, but but not really designing the system uh, from from the start to be a certain thing. Like, you know, Apple would never ship something that looked like this, right? I mean, they're, they're going to imagine the design first and then build something that's just fit for that, and the user's going to love. It's going to be a delight, like you were just saying. Uh, oftentimes when we're trying to just get something done because maybe there's a deadline or, or you know demands on us aren't realistic, we're just scrabbling for anything we can duct tape together and throw out the door.
2: Yeah. I guess you know, the real statement of craftsmanship here is this have some pride in your software. Like I want it not only to look good, but to be good. Mm. And yes. try and get those pieces done right. This takes longer. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I laugh because we, we get in a situation where like I, I feel like developers love the problem more than the solution. They're sad when their programs go away. <laughs> yeah. But the, And this sort of speaks to the other side of that, of I never fell in love with this. I just put enough bits together that it seems to work. Bye-bye.
1: Hmm. Sure, sure. All right, let's move on because we're running short on time here. We're into November. Smoke and Mirrors, also known as Marketing Driven Development, MDD. I love it. So it looks like you're in a coffee shop, and in the back there's this great-looking... Uh, marquee that says pumpkin caramel pecan latte and this beautiful you know pumpkins in the background this beautiful looking cup with this swirly you know beautiful looking latte and uh and in the foreground, the actual product, which is in a styro cup, somebody's written in a sharpie, car- "pumpkin caramel pecan latte." Um, the 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 whipped cream's barely poking up out of, out of the top, and there's some caramel spilled over the you know the styrofoam, and it just looks disgusting. Uh, there's no way anybody would want to eat drink that.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah, and the idea here is that. You know the sales guy or the marketing for the product has sold the customer on the marquee on, on the beautiful thing that's going to solve all their problems that they love mm. which is their job right but mm-hmm. but they haven't talked to the developers about what's actually possible and and so you've set expectations for the user at a level that's impossible for the development team to meet uh, or at least within the time frame that you need to ship under uh, and, and so, there's no way that you can exceed their expectations.
1: I have six words. Dunkin' Donuts steak and cheese wrap. <laughs> Perfect example. You could have just taken a picture of the Dunkin' Donuts steak and cheese wrap marketing picture and then the actual steak and cheese wrap and compared the two side by side. And I think it would have been just as good. Probably you know what quicker. Just go try it. Uh, You'd be amazed at the difference between the picture and the actual product. Yeah, there you go. All right, let's move on. Let's mention the last one. We'll we'll wrap it up quickly. Uh,
2: December fast beats right. (laughs) Nice. A few hours? We don't have that long. (laughs) And it's a beautiful picture of a turkey in a microwave. With a five-minute timer
1: maybe it's five <laughs> hours i don't know it's five minutes <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. let's zap the turkey for five minutes
2: see this is the one you want up on your wall yeah right i mean this is exactly what i what i think about this calendar it's like you want this on your wall so when that pointed hair boss comes at you you can point that and go you
1: mean this you want some of this i can do that yeah exactly i like the quote the best way to get a project done faster is to start sooner jim highsmith nice
0: yeah, these are these are great. You put them up on your wall so that management sees them. Or you know, if you've got uh, that other developer that's down the hall from you that maybe doesn't follow some of the practices you think you should, it makes a great gift.
1: Yeah, this must yeah. be so much fun to make these things. And I, I can see at the end of the calendar, like like uh, you mentioned before, all these sort of outtakes pictures and stuff. Uh, just me, just must be so much fun. Hey, if we have any ideas, should people send them to you?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, we're always looking for ideas. We'll, we're currently planning on doing another calendar for next year, and uh, you know it'll, it'll be. We've been alternating every other year between best practices and anti-patterns as the topics. The imagery, like we talked about, is usually like what not to do. Um, in either case, but uh, but next year, yeah, we'll we'll try and do a best practices, you know, principles and patterns uh, style of uh, topic list, and we'll be looking for twelve ideas of things to show.
1: And uh, calendar at Telerik.com is where you can send those ideas.
0: Yeah, exactly. Thank you.
1: So cool. Steve, thanks for catching up with us. This is great.
0: You're welcome. It's always fun to chat with you guys.
1: Where's the next place you're going to be?
0: I'll be at the MVP Summit in uh, the third week of November in Seattle. So that's my next uh, travel.
1: Wish we could be there. We'll be on the road.
0: Yeah, I know. I'll miss you guys. All right. Maybe we'll see you at uh, Codemash.
1: We'll definitely see you at Codemash. All right, awesome. my friend. Thanks.
0: Thank you. All right,
1: we'll see you next time on .dotnet rocks. .dotnet <ifferences> rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post production and podcasting services online at www.pwop.com .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers online at www.franklins.net